We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. You're home for everything Lakers. If you're watching me over on YouTube, to me, it looks like I went a little bit blurry right as we went live here. It's okay. I can fix that in just a second. But, oh my goodness, the Lakers just took on the Charlotte Hornets, a very shorthanded Lakers team. Almost, almost walked away with the win. Russell Westbrook's three-pointer to win the game at the buzzer comes up just short. Unfortunately, the Lakers do not walk out with the W. There we go. That's a bit better. Um, we've got a lot to break down here. And I will tell you guys, I went into this night thinking, I'm probably going to be talking trade after the game. I'm going to be talking a lot about trades and things like that. Nobody's going to want to talk about this game. No LeBron James, no Anthony Davis, no Malik Monk, Avery Bradley's questionable, Westbrook is questionable. But this is going to be a blowout. And so I was preparing, like, we're going to talk a lot of trade stuff. We're going to be talking about a lot, of, a lot of other stuff. We're not going to want to talk about this particular game. As it turned out, this became a really, really good and really fun game. The Lakers battled back in the second half. They were down 20 at one point in the third, had a chance to win it on the final shot there by Russell Westbrook. Tremendous performance from Russ. This is the guy we've been waiting to see, and not even in the first half that much. He only had five points at halftime, and Russ finishes the game with a team high 35, 30 points just in the second half. He really got going. So we've got actually a lot to break down from this one, including what are the pieces the Lakers need to use moving forward here? Because there was a clear difference from the beginning of the game to the second half when the Lakers really got going in terms of who was out there and what made things click. So that's something we're going to get into. So if you're joining me live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. I'm going to be taking your questions and comments throughout the night. Uh, I'm already seeing a lot of people asking about Dwight Howard. People were asking me, my my DMs were just blowing up all game. Where's Dwight Howard? Why is Dwight not in? We'll get into that too. Uh, I'm curious to see what the post-game comments are, what Fr Frank Vogel says about that one, but we'll get into that as well. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure that you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. All right, so... All right, let's go into this one. I've already got a super chat here from Bruce Barnes. I do need to get into some of the, the stats and things, but uh, Trevor, can you tell me why down three, they were down two, final shot, no defense to play. Vogel went with THT and Stanley over Ellington and Bazemore. Westbrook had no room. Uh, in terms of the spacing, Bruce, I think that's a fair question. They were down two. Russ was shooting to win the game on that three. Fair question. Why would you go THT and Stanley over Ellington? And Bazemore, Bazemore had actually shot some threes, but are the Hornets really going to be concerned about Bazemore behind the arc? Eh, probably not, but you may have a point there with Wayne Ellington. I'm wondering if, and this is my guess, I'm thinking that the play probably called for Russ to, if it was there, attack the basket, and then you would have Stanley Johnson, THT there to, to kind of cut off of that or crash. That's my guess. They would also have been the guys who were fresh and have been on the floor. They were, they were in the flow of the game. I think the shot was always going to be Westbrook's, whether it was a drive or a pull-up three. And if that's the case, then 
maybe you can make the argument that those guys had a better shot of setting a screen or grabbing an offensive board than Bazemore or, or Ellington would. So I can understand from that side too, but that's me really trying to grasp at any kind of explanation because I agree. I agree with you. I think Wayne Ellington should have been on the floor to give you some spacing, although he had not shot. Uh, well, he was three of five, so he shot okay in, in this one from behind the arc. I do think he should have been out there for floor spacing purposes. Um, I probably would have put him out there instead of Taylor Horton Tucker. That that would have been my my pick there. I would leave Stanley Johnson on just to give you a shot at maybe an offensive rebound, and he's a bigger body to, to run and set a screen for Russ if need be. But uh, yeah, I would have pulled THT and gone with Wayne Ellington because I think you're right. Could have used the floor spacing on that final play. By the way, when Russ took that three, a lot of people were upset with Russell Westbrook for taking the three on that. He was in rhythm. He had been hitting them in the quarter. He was hot. This was a chance to walk away with a win. I don't fault him necessarily for going for the three. He was isolated on Miles Bridges. Bridges does a pretty good job contesting um, at the basket as well. So I can't say that Russ would have got an easy layup, would have just blown by him and gotten a layup had he not pulled up. Bridges kind of gave him the three and Russ took it. So I don't even fault Russ too much in that play as much as people want to say oh Westbrook or whatever no tonight's not the night for that tonight's not the night Russell Westbrook was a big part of why the Lakers were even in this game at first this game started on a nine to zero run for the Hornets the Lakers didn't score what they scored three points in the first six minutes of the game halfway through the first quarter they had three points it looked like this game was going to be a blowout I mean it wasn't even going to be competitive and Russell Westbrook was a big part of why it was. It was a big part of that. So I'm giving him the credit here. And again, I'm not going to fault him for taking that three. I thought it was in rhythm. I thought that that was the shot the defense was giving him. And part of me kind of wanted to see the Lakers. You know what? Just, just go for the win here. Just go for the win. You're shorthanded. What are the chances that you're going to take him to OT and get the W? You've got a shot here to win the game. Let's let's go for it. And they took it. Um, it wasn't off by much. Wasn't off by much. Uh, and we do need to talk about some of the calls. That uh, that challenge by the Lakers on the block charge call on Taylor Horton Tucker. I believe that changed the outcome of the game, and I believe that was a mistake. That was a mistake by the officials who not only made the mistake live, but then made the mistake again on the replay, which rarely happens. But I thought that was a major mistake by the referees. Very clearly a charge. I thought it was ridiculous that the Lakers even had to waste a challenge on what was such an easy call. It was, I mean, plain as day that it was a charge. I was shocked, and most everybody else I saw on, on social media were also shocked that that was not overturned. Uh, even the announcers couldn't believe that that call was not overturned, and it awarded three points to the Hornets. And the Lakers, ultimately, I mean, they lose by three, but really it was a two-point game. They would have been up one had it not been for that call. Uh, Mook Morris, is it possible we might not see Kendrick Nunn on the team past the trade deadline? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Is it possible he's being put into every single uh, trade package out there for the Lakers? The Lakers are, uh, they are going to just about every everybody with THD, Kendrick Nunn, their 2027 first, and they're trying to see what they can get. I'll tell you what, performances like tonight, though, aren't going to help Taylor Horton Tucker's trade value. Six points, two for six shooting, four fouls, five boards. Played 27 minutes. Another great opportunity for Taylor Horton Tucker to step up with LeBron James out. Just didn't really see it. Didn't really see it tonight in this one. Defensively, Frank Vogel leaned on him quite a bit just as another big body to keep out there. Or bigger body, I should say. Bigger than Avery Bradley. Bigger than Wayne Ellington. Okay. So you can understand that, but... Lots of opportunity in 27 minutes, and I can't say that THT made much of an impact. Even though he did walk away with a plus 11 stat line, there was a lot that I attributed to Taylor Horton Tucker specifically. So I think this was another missed opportunity for THT. Oh, Joan Oliva said, if Monk wins, we plays, we win this game easily. Yeah, you know what? Missing Malik Monk. I even mentioned, I put it out there on Twitter. When the ball was sideline out of bounds, I just, you had to feel it. That moment. Wouldn't it be great for Malik Monk to be out there for the Lakers? I mean, the Hornets are the team that didn't want him, didn't pick up his his uh, next year rookie option, said, see you later, Malik Monk, right? This would have been the revenge game. 
for Malik Monk in Charlotte. And unfortunately, he's dealing with a groin injury. He would have been, it would have been very poetic had the ball found his hands to win the game against the Charlotte Hornets. Of course, if he plays, I think you're right. If Monk plays, this game might not have gotten to that point. The Lakers might have just won outright without it needing to be that um, last second shot. <laughs> Luis Ayala said, good time to trade Russ. His value went up a bit. Yeah, I saw that. And Bill Simmons made the same point on Twitter. He was talking about this, that is this now when the Lakers are calling up the New York Knicks saying, hey, how about that trade right now? Um, yeah, I mean, this is this probably didn't hurt. This probably didn't hurt. If you're another team and you have any thought in your head about trading for Russell Westbrook, if you saw tonight's game, you're going, man, this guy's still pretty dynamic when he's surrounded by the right pieces. By the way, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the right pieces. And this is, this was a head scratcher to me. When the starting lineup came out, normally, so the starting lineup comes out, the Lakers release the starting lineup to those of us in the in the media. And I take it and I post it. And a lot of people do. I post it to social media. And when I saw the starting lineup, I thought, oh my God, what am I going to say? What am I going to put on Twitter about this starting lineup. I, I wound up just writing, I think, Lakers starters versus Hornets. Normally I have something like, like, hey, Lakers sticking with Stanley Johnson in the starting five or something like that, some kind of analysis. Like, nah, I'm just going to throw this out there and let people say what they're, what they're going to say. Uh, DeAndre Jordan in the starting lineup. And I think if we're going to look at, okay, the Lakers, the, the missed call by the referees, ultimately that probably changed the outcome. Okay, and that was particularly egregious because they got it wrong first and then they got it wrong again on replay. What's the point of replay if you're going to get it wrong there again? And I try to be unbiased. I try to recognize my own bias in that situation, but it was just such an obvious thing. Um, yeah, it was such an obvious charge, but go back to the first half. The Lakers were playing terribly. And is it any surprise DeAndre Jordan's out there on the floor? I thought we learned this lesson already. DeAndre Jordan can't be in the game if you're planning on winning it. Um, particularly in this matchup, it made no sense. It made no sense. And this, you guys know, I tend to be more sympathetic towards Frank Vogel, towards the Lakers coaches, because I try to look at things through that perspective. And, and being a coach for many years myself, I tend to try to see things through that lens. And that's, that's my own bias sometimes coming into play. I freely admit that. But... Ultimately, this matchup was not the one to turn to DeAndre Jordan. And you can say there's no matchup that you should be turning to DeAndre Jordan, but this especially was the one to not turn to DeAndre Jordan for. It made no sense to go with a big, a traditional big, against a Plumlee. You've got a Plumlee brother that's in there in the, in the paint, and if he's going to blow up on you, so be it. So be it. But are you that worried about Mason Plumlee that you don't want to play smaller? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think you're that worried about it. I think you take your chances. And I think playing smaller is what ultimately helped the Lakers get back into this game. But you burn 20 minutes with DeAndre Jordan out on the floor. who's a minus 14 team worst for what? For what? Did the coaching staff look at this game and say, oh, this is a lost cause. No LeBron, no AD. Let's just use this as a chance to kind of get some guys some, some work out there. And Frank Vogel has said in the past that what he likes to do is not have guys just sit on the bench for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks because then what winds up happening is an injury occurs and you need that guy and he's completely out of rhythm because he hasn't been in there. And that's fine. That's fair. But if you're going to do that, then just try to focus on getting DeAndre Jordan into garbage time minutes. Or if there's a matchup that really requires it where you know, hey, you know, we're playing, they're, they're playing the Denver Nuggets and you don't have LeBron, you don't have AD, you don't have some key pieces, you know it's going to be a long night. Okay, toss in DeAndre Jordan. You at least give him a matchup there where you can let him bang against Nikola Jokic. Fine, fine. But in this game, you are effectively waving the white flag from the get-go by putting out a lineup that doesn't really have a chance to compete. This isn't the opportunity to go get DeAndre Jordan some minutes to let him stretch his legs a bit. That was, I think, a big mistake. You basically gave away the first half of this game because of that. 
outcome of this game could have been very, very different had you not gone that route. And again, this isn't this isn't necessarily an anti-DeAndre Jordan thing. I mean, he hasn't been good this season, but this was any, even if it was Dwight, I think you could have made, made an argument that this was the opportunity for the Lakers to just, just play small. Just play small, because are you that worried about Plumlee destroying you? If he does, okay, great. If, if he blows up for 30 points, fine. But most likely, you're going to get away with playing small against this Hornets team, and you're going to be able to get stuff going on the offensive end, and you're going to get a better version of Russell Westbrook with the paint stretched out and, and some opportunities to go attack, and that's what you need to win this game. You needed Russell Westbrook to go nuclear. So going with the traditional big, and in particular going with DeAndre Jordan, just did not make sense. Did not make any sense going into this one. Uh, Samuel Henriquez said, Trevor, with a super chat, thank you for what you do. I usually can't watch the games because I'm working, but I've been able to stay updated through the podcast. Oh, well, Samuel, uh, thank you for, for the kind words. I do appreciate it. Um, this is this is certainly a labor of love for all of us at, at Lakers Nation. We enjoy getting to do this and feel very privileged to get to do this. And it's because of people like all of you who come in here and watch. So appreciate all of you for sure. All right. Let's see here. I want to get into some of the stats as well. So Russ, by the way, 360 award. They can't really have it. It's the it's the, the zero award because it was only Russ. But if LeBron and AD had played and we still got this version of Russ, there's a decent chance Russ would have won this award. 12 for 23 shooting, 3 of 7, 8 of from 3, 8 of 10 from the free throw line, 4 boards, 5 assists, 1 turnover. One and Russ's usage must have been through the roof in this game and still one turnover, 35 points. This was his best performance of the season and he did it in <laughs> I've got some interesting comments here. He did it in a half. 30 of those points came in a half. He was absolutely fantastic. He was fantastic. So that being the case, this was a very clear win for Russell Westbrook in terms of where what he's done so far in the season. This is the guy, right? What we just saw in this half. That's the guy that we were hoping to see. This, is, this was my main criticism from Russell Westbrook last game. Last game, I said, hey, when LeBron is out, the whole point, a good portion of the point of bringing in Russell Westbrook was he's supposed to run things when LeBron is out. If LeBron's out, Russ can bear that burden and he can lead you through to the finish line. And we hadn't seen that Russell Westbrook all season. All season, we hadn't seen it. Tonight, we did. Tonight, we did. Credit to him. I've got nothing against Russell Westbrook. I don't hate Russell Westbrook. I know we've talked a lot about him negatively on this show, but we try to call it like we see it. Tonight, can't complain about Russ. He was tremendous. He was great in this game. Let's see what else we've got here. As far as the, the Super Chats go, I'm going to get into some of those. Uh, Guru said, the team always creates a hole of trailing by 20. I mean, yes, and that's certainly a concern. But there's also the, the roster, the lineups didn't make sense in the first half. In the second half, look who played. Look who was on the floor to help the Lakers come back. It's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. If you asked me before the game, if the Lakers needed to, to make a comeback run, who should be on the floor? Austin Reeves, right? Carmelo Anthony can get going on the offensive end. Russ was out there. You needed him to get going. These are the guys, right? These are the guys that are going to help you out. Stanley Johnson was out on the floor quite a bit. It's... The young players, if you have a lineup right now, what we've seen fairly consistently from the Lakers is that if you have too many of the older guys out there, you don't have enough of the quickness, the energy, the hustle to really do the dirty work and make the little intangible plays that matter. That's why you need guys like Austin Reeves, who had a great game tonight. Great game. And we, and we need to talk more about him. Stanley Johnson making, making plays out there for the Lakers. You need those guys there. And it was largely the Russ plus the young guys, as well as Carmelo, who helped really push the Lakers back into this game. And again, that's that's not a surprise. That's not a surprise. I think, if anything, this tells us that going into the trade deadline, going into the trade deadline, the Lakers need to be pretty aggressive in terms of moving off of some contracts. 
freeing up some roster spots because there's some guys right now, some of the veterans that I just don't know that you can give minutes to and win games. And maybe, look, maybe some of them later on in the season, they'll get going, maybe. Right? Like a guy like Trevor Ariza, still coming off of ankle surgery. Maybe there's better days ahead. Can't say for sure, but maybe. Kent Bazemore. Kent Bazemore wasn't terrible tonight. Played 14 minutes, had 13 points in 14 minutes. Three of four shooting. Didn't really get much action in the second half, but still, we did see some positive things out of Kent Bazemore. Overall, though, I think that what we've seen is that surrounding LeBron, Russ, AD, with these younger guys who are going to hustle and try hard on every play and have that quickness and have that spirit, that matter that has mattered more than the experience of some of the older guys on this team. And I think that needs to inform some decisions that they make at the uh, at the trade deadline here coming up February 10th and the what they do on the buyout market as well. Avi B with the super chat said, any chance we include HBK in a deal? He was great. Yeah, let's talk about HBK. You know, I don't necessarily want to see want to see Austin Reeves on his way out. I think teams will ask about him. I think teams will ask about him. But tonight, six for 12 shooting, two for six from three. If I started knocking some of those down, he's been on a cold stretch shooting from behind the arc, but knocked some down 33% tonight. Okay. Eight boards, three assists, 16 points. He just makes winning plays. That's what he does. You tend to, and look, he's still an undrafted rookie. There are moments out there where he doesn't make the right play, where he makes a mistake. That's to be expected. That's to be expected, but no turnovers from Austin Reeves in this game. And I think that in general, in general, most of the time, you are better off having Austin Reeves on the floor than a lot of other players on the team. Your team performs better. Even if he's not the one, tonight he had 16 points. He's the kind of guy that he can have two points and still make a positive impact on your team because of all the other stuff that he can do. Did he get cooked by Ish Smith tonight? Yeah, a few times. Ish took him off the dribble and just killed him, scored on him, right? Made him look like he was standing still a few times. Austin Reeves, I think, is a good defender. Ish Smith had it going. 22 points, 5 assists, 10 of 12 from the field. He helped carry the Hornets in this game. And he got by Austin Reeves a few times. But again, I'm not expecting him to be perfect. I think that he had a very solid performance. And if the Lakers can avoid it, he's not a guy that I would trade. Because guys like this, this is why I was so high on, on the Stanley Johnson signing, by the way. When you can get a player like this, undrafted, undrafted Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, you found him in the G League. Now you've got a team option for next year on Stanley Johnson. If these are guys that can really log rotation minutes for you, I'm talking about significant minutes, whether it's off the bench or starting, whatever, right? If you can do that, if you can do that, that for a team that is capped out, that has no room to go add players, that is gold. That's exactly what you need. You need these diamonds in the rough that you find because that is going to go a long way for a team that can't go buy players on the market that doesn't have any cap space okay they don't have a whole lot of um trade chips either so for the lakers hanging on to austin reeves i think makes a lot of sense you need these cost control guys that you know can produce that you know can produce some of these guys some of these guys that are on veteran minimum deals aren't necessarily producing stanley johnson austin reeves those guys are indeed producing we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Let's see what else we've got. Oh, somebody said, Trevor, where did you get that hoodie? Uh, this one I got from uh, Fanatics. Fanatics is where I, I got this one at. I saw it and I went, I need to have that. Um, I love it. I wish I'd gotten one size bigger. I wish I'd gotten gone up one size. I went with my t-shirt size and I should have remembered sweatshirts. Usually like hoodies, you go up one size. So I didn't do that, but I love this one. Uh, THT keeps playing like this. We're going to have to throw in everybody and their mama to trade to get an average player. That's a super chat from YouTube. Yeah. Um, so the comment that was going around, I saw quite a bit on social media. In fact, my buddy Keith Smith, who hosts the front office show, if you haven't gone and checked it out yet, would highly recommend you guys do that. We talk five days a week, Monday through Friday. We break down everything going on in the NBA, usually from more of a salary cap slant. So we cover the entire league uh, on the NBA front office show. And Keith threw out there that he's in Orlando. So he pays attention to the Orlando Magic too. Um, The Orlando Magic saw Terrence Ross play really well. And he threw out a comment like, Terrence Ross's trade value is going up after this game. He played well tonight. We're kind of seeing the opposite out of Jalen Horton Tucker right now, where he's in every trade package because the Lakers need his $9.5 million salary to be in there, but he's not playing well. If there's a team that is looking at what the Lakers are offering and they're thinking, man, this first round pick in 2027, that sounds pretty good. But THT is not playing well. Kendrick Nunn's not playing at all. Are you really getting much in terms of on-court production in that package? Flip that. Let's say Taylor Horton Tucker had been giving you consistent production all season, which that's what the Lakers were hoping for, right? They made him the fourth highest paid Laker. The hope was that he would give you production throughout the season. If he was doing that, and let's say Kendrick Nunn was healthy, think about the Lakers trade options right now. But because those two guys happen to be the salaries that they've got to use in a trade, it makes it tough. It makes it tough. But in terms of salary matching and getting a deal done, it's got to be THT and Kendrick Nunn if you're going to try to get a guy like a Miles Turner or someone like that. Makes it hard, though, when those guys aren't producing. Uh, Rohit said, what's up with AD? If he keeps getting injured every second game, what's the point of keeping him? So I don't think this is as much of a injury thing with ad i really don't think it is tonight going into this weekend or going into these these two games back to back on the road the lakers already had it in their head ad might not play the second night just recently returned from injury and they knew that with an mcl sprain they wanted they just want to be careful right they want to be careful so There was a decent chance Anthony Davis, even if he was completely healthy coming out of last night's game, even if he didn't bruise his wrist or whatever, or he fell on his wrist a little bit, no fractures or anything like that, he's going to be okay. But even if he hadn't done that, there was a decent chance Anthony Davis would have been out tonight, would have sat out tonight, second night of a back-to-back, just came back from injury, you want to be cautious, all that makes sense. So I don't look at this and say, oh my gosh, Anthony Davis, he's so injury prone. I think this was going to happen either way. And the Lakers just saw that, oh, well, he, you know, his wrist is a little sore. That just kind of pushes us over the top. Yes, let's definitely sit him out. I think he was probably going to sit out regardless, though. LeBron, from what we've heard about LeBron, uh, was dealing with a little bit of swelling in his knee. By the way, the Lakers pregame press conference, anybody that was remote, their the audio for the press conference was cut. So we couldn't hear it. So it was only the people who were uh, actually there in Charlotte that were able to get the information. So I can't say that I heard it directly, but the word that kept going out there was that LeBron's knee was a little bit swollen. And so they want to just manage that. But Frank Vogel was hopeful that both AD and LeBron will play Sunday against the Hawks, which now could be an important game. You'd like to see the Lakers finish uh, the road trip 500 here. Got to get a win against the Hawks on Sunday to finish uh, the road trip three and three. Jason Gremlin, can you combine the Heald and Knicks trades to make it work? So Keith and I talked about this today. The Buddy Heald thing doesn't make sense. The Buddy Heald thing doesn't make sense. So he's at 22 million. 
THT's at nine and a half. Kendrick Nunn's at five. That's 14 and a half. You attach a veteran minimum deal. Then you're what, like 16? It's not enough. Even if you add another veteran minimum, you still don't have enough. And the Kings can't do a four for one, five for one deal. You have to loop a third team in to try to make it work. I don't know where the Buddy Heald thing came from. My guess, and Keith and I talked about this earlier today, is that the Lakers reached out to the Kings and said, hey, if we theoretically could build something around THT and we can get a third team involved, would you be interested? And the Kings said no. They think they can get more value for, for Buddy Heald. And I think that's just kind of where it ended. Because straight up, one-on-one, Lakers and Kings making a trade for Buddy Heald, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work. When it was $13 million Kyle Kuzma, $10 million Montrezl Harrell, done deal. Done deal. The money matches up. The Lakers don't have the contracts to make the money match up anymore. So the that deal doesn't make a lot of sense. The Knicks thing, that's total speculation. The Knicks thing, we know what's been, been talked about. Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, uh, these are guys who the Knicks are, are considering moving right now. These are guys that they're looking at, Alec Burks as well. The guys that the Knicks are considering packaging together, moving on from. And so what happened was Bobby Marks and Zach Lowe just kind of threw out there those three guys for Russ. Can they, can they get that done? Can they get that done? Maybe Russ and the, the pick. Can you do that? Get something like that done. Um, that's them speculating. That's not what's been reported. That's It's just an interesting thing taking two stories that the Lakers might consider moving on from Russell Westbrook. The Knicks might consider moving on from those guys. We're combining them and talking about what if. Okay, It's nothing legit. We don't have any info that the Lakers and Knicks have actually talked about those things. So I want to make sure that's clear. Let's see what else we've got here in Super Chats. I am going to get to the next man up award in just a minute. Oh, Titanic. Somebody said Isha of 976 commented this last night. It was more apt last night. Titanic slash Lakers struck by that iceberg Westbrook again. This game isn't close without uh, Russ in it. And you guys have seen, I will try to call it like it is with Russ. If he's bad, I'll say he's bad. If he's good, I'll say he's good. In this case, he was good. He was good. Oh, no. (laughs) Chad Beard, Trevor, the way this game started, I pulled out the Clorox out and was going to start taking bleach shots. That's a bit extreme. Glad to see them keep fighting at the end. Yeah, I thought... Going into this game, my mindset was just fight, just fight. I I don't want to see the Lakers just roll over and say, no, forget it with no LeBron, no AD. Let's just, let's worry about another day. I wanted to see that energy and that spark. And I kept thinking in my head, we've seen teams this season way, way shorthanded, pull off these surprise wins, pull off these surprise victories that you would have never, never predicted. The Clippers have pulled off wins incredibly shorthanded. I thought, wouldn't it be great to see the Lakers do something like that? And they almost did. And at the end of the day, as frustrated as we are with that final call, as frustrated as we are with maybe Westbrook missing the three at the end or the starting lineup, all that, the Lakers fought. The Lakers fought. They gave themselves a chance to win. Took a little while to figure out the guys that need to be on the floor to give them a shot. But once they did, they really put a scare into the Hornets. And I'll give them credit for that. I'll give him credit for that. I'm not walking away from this game thinking, man, this Lakers team, they just didn't compete. No, they they competed in a very difficult situation. All right, let's do the next man up. Let's do the next man up. I do need to get more into, into a few more super chats. So if you've sent one already, I'm saving them. I'm saving them as they come through. But let's get to the next man up. So next man up, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Let me know. Who would you say was the next man up from this game. Not Russ, who is the next best player? Give me your thoughts. I've got some people saying Mellow, some people saying Austin Reeves. Uh, people asking about Siku Dumboya. I'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, more people saying mellow. It's a this is a battle right now. This is a battle between mellow and HBK. Okay, I'm seeing some Baysmores coming in here. 
Oh, some people are saying Trevor next man up. I don't know if they mean me or Trevor Ariza. I think the Austin Reeves is winning it here. I think Austin Reeves wins this one. I'm seeing a lot more Austin Reeves comments here. Look, Carmelo was two for nine from three. That's the only thing that gives me pause there. I think he made some big plays. Two blocks tonight, 19 points. He was really good. Austin Reeves was also good, though. Six of 12, eight boards, three assists, plus nine. Man, this is a tough one because Carmelo was a plus 20 overall and logged 35 minutes. Austin Reeves was very good as well. I'm going to go, I think because just because everybody assumes I'm going to pick Austin Reeves, I'm going to go Carmelo Anthony. I'll go Carmelo Anthony to step up to log 35 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back for a veteran player, 37 years old, 19 points, was key in the Lakers' run to come back, and I saw him make some plays defensively that were better than what we typically expect out of Melo. I'm going to go with Carmelo Anthony. Austin Reeves made a huge impact on this game. I loved what we saw out of him, and I could easily go with him. But just to kind of throw everybody a curveball, I'm going Carmelo Anthony because I think everybody was assuming I was going to pick Austin Reeves. Uh, Joan Oliva said, Trevor, is there any chance with a Super Chat that Russ declines his player option and re-signs on a cheaper deal? Could the Lakers get it done? Let's talk about that because that's kind of interesting right? Russell Westbrook, $47 million player option, but the Lakers aren't going to have much in the way of cap room. Now, LeBron and AD together, that's already taken up a decent amount of cap space. So how much would Russ really have to take off in order to get you cap room? I'd have to have the sheet in front of me, but it's probably going to be a lot, probably more than it makes sense. Now, let's say though, that you wanted the ability. So I'm saying you're not going to get cap space. You're probably, you're almost certainly not going to have cap room. Right? It's not like you're going to have spending power in free agency if you have LeBron, Russ, and Anthony Davis. Okay, Even if he declines that option, remember, it's not like he declines it and then he's a zero on the Lakers books. No, you still have his cap hold sitting on the books. You can't just go spend and then suddenly go, okay, we're going to use bird rights or whatever and bring Russell Westbrook back. That's not the way that works anymore. The NBA closed that loophole. The Spurs did that a long, long time ago with Kawhi Leonard. Can't do that anymore. His cap hold will still be sitting on the books. So you'd have to sign him for something, but it would have to make sense. It would have to be something that would give the Lakers the ability to use the full mid-level exception, that almost $10 million, trigger that hard cap and not have to worry quite so much about hitting it, which even if he takes a pretty big pay cut, it's not easy to do. So let's say if you're to do that, maybe, maybe you do a three-year 60 million deal with Russ. That's probably your best case scenario. Instead of one year, 47 million, and then who knows what Russ gets after that, you lock him up for three years and offer him 60. So he gets 60 in total, 20 million per season. Okay, let's say you do that. Then maybe you're, you're, below, the, you're below the apron enough to where you can feel a little more comfortable using the full mid-level exception. And maybe that lets you get somebody that you would not have otherwise. So that's something to consider. I would not say it's likely, though. Most likely what's going to happen is Russ is just going to pick up that option. He'll be on the books for $47 million. He'll be a $47 million expiring contract. That's most likely what's going to happen. Um, I would be surprised if the Lakers went the route that I was describing. Just saying that's what it would look like, essentially, if the Lakers did try to do that. But I would be surprised if that's the way things went down. People saying I'm lost my mind. Look, I'm not saying you're trying to keep Russell Westbrook for the next three years. I'm saying you're trying to get your salaries down low enough to potentially use your full mid-level exception. That's the goal there. It's not, hey, let's commit to Russ long-term. It's more about getting that salary down for this next year if you believe there's somebody out there that you can get for the mid-level exception that you really want. That's, that's the scenario I'm describing right now. All right. Vogel failed to adjust here. Still stick to defense. Uh, failed starting lineup in the third after seeing the group who uh, who surged and came back. Master Log Vogel. Yeah, I was surprised. So when the Lakers came back out for the second half, he changed something. 
didn't he? It wasn't the same group. But it was Stanley Johnson that was on the bench. Not DeAndre Jordan. It was Stanley Johnson who was benched in exchange for Melo. And on the surface, I understand. I understand that group having trouble generating offense. Let's put one of the better three-point shooters on the team out there. Let's put Melo out there. And he's got and he's one of the guys that can just generate his own shot just about whenever he wants. All right. That makes sense. But the other option was just to pull DeAndre Jordan, not worry so much about what Plumlee's going to do, space the floor a little bit, and have Melo and Stanley Johnson on the floor. That, to me, made a lot more sense. But, yeah. Mook Morris, what kind of trade would you like to see at the trade deadline? I would love to see some kind of a trade to give the Lakers a player who can do both things play defense, and hit threes. Now, that's a big challenge because a lot of teams in the NBA are looking for that. Guys who can hit threes and play defense. It's not an easy task. That's part of the reason why so many teams are after Jeremy Grant. He's got that defensive versatility that they love, and he's just an okay three-point shooter. But if the Lakers could find somebody, I would love to see them make that kind of move in lieu of that. If you're not able to make that trade, what I'm doing if I'm the Lakers is I'm trying to open up roster spots because I do think that there's some guys on the team right now that probably just can't pull their weight at this point. And that's where it's time to cut some guys loose. If you can make a trade where you can pay some cash and you can get a team to eat a salary or two, free up some roster spots that way. Maybe that frees you up to make a trade where you're taking in two players for one or something like that. Or you just go out there and you start looking on the market and see what you can find, particularly once players start getting bought out. I think you're probably better off in the long run going that route. See what else we've got here. Guru, smart play. The last shot could have made it interesting. Yeah, look, the, that last shot, if, if Russ hits that, this is a win. God skills said, THT has been terrible. We missed out on Lowry for what? Yeah, a lot of people have been bringing that up. In hindsight, it looks like the Lakers probably should have done that trade, even if it meant paying Kyle, Kyle Lowry this year. And I know that was a little bit of concern, was paying Kyle Lowry this offseason. But hindsight being 2020, looks like that probably would have been a decent move. Although, to be honest, I think no trade, period, probably wouldn't have been a bad move for, move for the Lakers. Like, even if you decide to keep THT, you still do the same thing with Lowry. Imagine if right now you had all those contracts at your disposable at your disposal. KCP, Kuzma, Trez, all these, THT, Caruso, you could probably bring him back. You've got all of these contracts to play with right now at the trade deadline. We would be having some really interesting discussions about the options on the table for the Lakers at the moment had you not gone that route. Ryan Baines said, is there any path to Russ leading the second unit? He showed tonight that if he's the number one guy on the floor, he can still make an impact. You know, that's interesting that we've, we've talked about this, that Russ, when LeBron is not on the floor, that should be his time, right? I even tweeted this out before the game. I said, if there was ever a chance for Russ to be Russ, this is it. This is it. There's no, there's no complaining in this game about Russ turnovers. There's no complaining about, oh, did he take a bad shot? It's him, and that's it as far as creating offense on this team right now. It's him creating things and kicking out and doing whatever he needs to do, and you need a nuclear performance out of him to potentially win this game. And we saw that in the second half, but that's what we've been wanting to see for a while now. For a while now, we've been wanting to see, okay, LeBron goes out. Go, Russ. Do your thing. Go do your thing and make it happen. And we haven't seen that. We haven't. In fact, we've seen things get worse when LeBron goes out. Maybe, and I'm not going to hold my breath, but maybe this is the light bulb moment where the team figures out this is how we really unlock Russ. And I'm not expecting this kind of performance out of him every single night, but maybe, maybe we see something here that Russ can build on moving forward. Fingers crossed, hopefully, but again, not, not hold my breath. Devin Smart, the Super Chat said, is Siku hurt? Siku Nuboya, he was listed as two-way contract, not with the team. So he's with the South, Bla South Bay Lakers right now. So that's why you didn't see him out there. 
SG323 said, if AD performs like yesterday and Braun performs like Braun, give me the Suns in the first round again. They need to be humbled. I haven't forgot. I still say, you know what? And the Suns, to a degree, I will say the Suns have proven me wrong and a lot of people wrong because I was one of the ones in the offseason saying this Suns team, they're good, but they got to where they got because of injuries, right? Because they ran into a bunch of injured teams and they're not getting that far without that. That's not correct. They've shown this season they are better than what I thought. It's not just injuries. They are legit one of the best teams in the West. But I'll also say, if Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt, I think the Lakers are coming out of the first round. They were in command of that series. AD got hurt and that changed everything. So, I won't say that you're wrong. I'll say the Suns right now are clicking at a higher level than pretty much anybody in the NBA. They're playing great basketball. I would not assume, even if AD continues playing like this, that the Lakers will knock them out. Because I think the Suns right now are actually playing better than they were playing last year. They're very good. So I'm not going to say that the Lakers would knock them out this year, but it would be a heck of a battle. And Anthony Davis does give them a lot of problems. And I think that was evidenced by last year, when as soon as AD went out, suddenly the Suns looked really, really good. And part of that is Chris Paul's health. That's... 100% true, but Anthony Davis going out last year is, I think, what swung that series. All right, let's get into a few more things. We do need to get into the master lock of the night, which we'll get to in just a moment. He said, we're not beating the Suns. Again, I don't know. The, the Suns have been playing great. The Suns have been playing great. I wouldn't assume that the Lakers would beat them in the first round if they wind up matching up against each other again. They're playing great basketball. I'm saying Anthony Davis does give them some problems, and so I wouldn't count the Lakers out in that scenario. Avi B, if New York gets a first for Burks, um, Kemba Walker... Yeah, I mean, look, if, if you t take that trade package, but if you're in New York, you're doing that in order to get the first, right? That's what you're doing. If you're putting Never never Google, Kemba Walker, and Burks together, and you're getting Russ, if you're in New York, you're, you're hoping Russ does what he did tonight, but I don't know if you can count on that. And you're making that trade really for the first round pick. Is that enough for the Knicks? I don't know. Maybe. They're also free up a little bit of cap room. They do because Fournier, his contract goes past next year, goes into the following year, and that would give them some cap room. Takes away some of the Lakers' cap room for that next offseason. Mark, Mark, Trevor, does LeBron re-up with the Lakers for a lower salary in order to sign more all-star players or a tier B role player so we can reload as a team? So LeBron, ever since his heat days, has said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be the guy that takes less. Because here's, and here's his reason why, is that, if LeBron takes less, let's say LeBron tries to help out a team and takes less money than what he could get. That's every team is going to ask their players to take less too. They're going to go to, if it's Jimmy Butler, if it's Paul George, if it's Kawhi, if it's whoever, whoever, right? Any of the other guys in the NBA, any of the, the, the top guys, they're out of contract. They need a new deal. The team's going to say, hey, LeBron helped out his team and they were able to get player X because LeBron took less. Will you do the same? Every team would start putting pressure on star players to take less money in order to win because they're going to follow what LeBron's doing. And LeBron doesn't want to do that. LeBron doesn't want to do that. Then it makes sense. It makes sense because I've got people that are, that'll be upset and say, well, why wouldn't they take less? Keep in mind, the salary cap, the CBA, this is all artificial. This is, it's not like this is some natural thing that prevents their salaries from going to a certain level. This is built in, in an agreement by the owners and the players. This is largely about this. The players don't want a salary cap. This is the owners stopping themselves because they know what's going to happen is if let's say it's just a free market, say there's no salary cap. What's going to happen is you're going to get the bigger market teams are going to bid against each other like crazy. And these salaries are going to go through the roof. And somebody's going to pay LeBron $100 million a season. 
And the owners are saying, man, we don't, we don't want to deal with this. We don't want to have these bidding wars. We don't want to have the salaries go up. So they artificially restrict them. And that's why max contracts are actually one of the most valuable contracts in the NBA for a true superstar. Because max contracts are actually paying the player less than what they should get. Your two most valuable contracts in the NBA are max contracts to true superstar players and really, really good players who come in as rookies and are still on rookie deals. Let's think about John Moran. That's the most valuable thing. What gets artificially inflated is the middle of the pack, the mid-tier. But remember, there's more guys voting in that middle group. And so, of course, they're going to be okay with things like this when they're coming to agreements with, with ownership. But if you're LeBron, you're looking at this and you're saying, wait, you're artificially restricting the amount that I can earn right now. I'm not getting the kind of money that I'm actually worth if we were just to pay me based on what my production on the floor says I should get. I can't get that because you're artificially restricting that. And now you're asking me to take less and that's going to cause other players to have that pr pressure put upon them. No, I'm not doing that. And look, there's a flip side to that argument, of course, but that's how LeBron's going to approach that situation. And that's why he has consistently said, no, I'm not, I'm not taking less than what I could get. That's the way it's looking at looking like. All right. So mind uh, Akina Kuhn. Russ and a pick for Al Horford and Marcus Smart. Open two roster spots with DJ and Bazemore for the buyout market. Uh okay, so you're saying get rid of DJ and Bazemore. You're paying a team to take them, something like that. That's that's what you're saying. Uh yeah, I mean. I don't see Boston taking on Russ. I don't think that's, and I don't think they want to give up Marcus Smart, but I, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I just don't see, I don't see the, uh, the Celtics doing that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Jabari Wilson said, Hey, Trevor, throughout this season, not saying every game, but from time to time, do you believe Russell Westbrook passes are as an, are as an optimistic passer or not as much of an optimistic passer as Dennis Schroeder? So now I know Jabari's been, been watching since last year. Because if you remember, that was, my, that was the phrase I used all the time for Dennis Schroeder, was he was an optimistic passer. He threw passes that he hoped were going to be there. He hoped... The, the angle would open up just right and he would throw the ball there. And a lot of the time it wasn't. And it would turn into a live ball turnover. Russ, I think, I don't think Russ is as much of an optimistic passer where he's hoping that pass is going to suddenly open up. Russ is a guy who's expecting certain things to happen. And then he gets himself stuck where he goes into the lane and he's assuming that the corner three is going to open up and he throws the pass not reading that in that moment, the defenders already come over because he had already made up his mind when he attacked. Now he doesn't do that all the time. He doesn't do it all the time. There have been moments where he's read things really well. And I, I always go back to the, the drive and kick that he made in that Dallas game to Austin Reeves for three to win the game. It was, I mean, it was a perfect read. He drove in, collapsed the defense, read what they were doing, saw who was open, kicked it out to Austin Reeves for three, made the right read. So it's not consistent with him. I think that sometimes he's just, he just doesn't make the correct read of the situation and goes into the paint with already an idea of what it is that he wants to do and then doesn't adjust accordingly if the defense does something that he wasn't expecting. I don't know what phrase we want to use for that, but. <laughs> Easy peasy steezy said T Lane, what do I got to do? Crying. I don't know. Did you have another comment somewhere that I missed? That's, that's possible. 70 said, said, Hey, Trevor, who cuts your hair? Nobody right now, because I definitely need a hair. It's driving me crazy, but I'll tell you guys, I don't tell you guys a lot about, about my house or home or whatever, but, um, 
but my wife this week was, was, uh, she was not feeling well. She was feeling sick, had a cold, all that kind of stuff. I had planned early in the week to go get a haircut and I thought, okay, she's not feeling well. Let's play it safe here. I'm not going to go into a barbershop or anything like that. Go be around a bunch of people. If she's not feeling well, let's get her tested first, see what's going on there. And then we'll go from there. Unfortunately, a couple days ago, I found out she's fine. She's actually, she's over a cold already, tested negative, everything, everything good. But that's part of why I didn't go. I was talking about going and getting a haircut like a week ago. I didn't do it because of, because of that. So I've been trying to kind of stay away from everybody. Now we know she tested negative. All good. So this weekend I'll go get, I'll go get a haircut. Because I know it is getting a little out of control. All right, let's get into the master lock of the night. Let's finish things off with that. So chat, let me know. Coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. Master lock of the night. What was it was the most annoying thing from this game? What was the most annoying thing from this game that you would put in our good friend Chris the Masterpiece Masters finishing hold? And I think there's a few different things that you could master lock. It could be somebody from the Hornets. It could be somebody from the Lakers. It could be something else. Give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts. Let's see. I'm seeing a lot of people say THT. I'm seeing a lot of people say Vogel. I'm seeing a lot of people say Vogel. And I'm seeing a lot of people say the referees. I'm seeing those three things pop up more than anything else right now. Vogel, THT, the referees. Oh, somebody said Michael Jordan because Jordan was there in the building and didn't look happy when the Lakers were coming back. Uh, Shantu Chatterjee, I will get to that in just a moment. I saw your super chat. I saved it. I will get to it in a moment. So what annoyed me a lot was that that call, certainly. That call I did not like. Uh, the, and I'm talking about that missed. Uh, again, I keep saying missed because... I think it was a mistake on the part of the officials to call that a block on THT. I thought it was very clearly a charge. I was shocked that they even had to burn a challenge in order to get what I thought was going to be the correct call. They went and they watched it again on replay and still somehow came up with the charge. And I think it changed the outcome of the game. I think it changed the outcome of the game because it gave three points to the Hornets that they should not have gotten in my mind. That's my opinion. But you deal with referees this happens in sports sometimes they get it wrong sometimes that happens it's the way sports go and this one i'm gonna go i'm gonna go vogel i'm gonna go frank vogel because i think that while we might say oh if that one call had gone the right way the lakers probably win what if, what if you don't have those 20 deandre jordan minutes what if your rotations look a little bit different what if you go to the young guys a little bit sooner. Pretty decent chance you're walking away with the win. Right? I think the Lakers burned some minutes. And part of this is second night of a back-to-back. -back. I think that's a factor here. So I'm not saying that this is 100% on Vogel or anything like that. And I still got to find an answer for why Dwight Howard didn't play. Again, second night of a back-to-back -back may have been a factor here. But I thought in a game that was so clearly set for the Lakers to play small. If you didn't want, if you wanted to rest Dwight Howard, fine. But resting Dwight Howard and playing DeAndre Jordan instead didn't make sense. And I think that just as much as that referee call changed the outcome of the game and the Lakers did it to themselves in this case. In this case. So that's where I'm going with my master lock. That's where I'm going. And you guys know, I try to be very sympathetic with Frank Vogel. I think overall, he's a very smart coach. I think in this case, though, he made made the wrong decision. And that's that's me just being real. All right, guys. Um, I did get a super chat here that I wanted to bring up before we call it an evening. Oh, there's a couple of them. Easy peasy steezy. There it is. What will it take for this to translate with LeBron and AD? I feel like Braun and Russ can't find the same chemistry as Kyrie and D. Wade. It might mean staggering the minutes of LeBron and Russ a little bit more. If you could take whatever it was, the rotation that you saw in the second half tonight, and you can capture that, maybe that's your second unit. 
Maybe that's what you move forward with and you try to stagger LeBron and Russ's minutes. So even if you only get maybe 10 minutes a night of this particular grouping, if that's what you need in order to get 10 minutes of this version of Russell Westbrook, you do it. You do it. We'll see. Uh, Shantu Chatterjee said, how can I apply for an analytics role at Lakers Nation? Uh, so people who have been messaging me about, about working with us and things like that, I get a lot of people send me a DM on Twitter and that's, and that's fine. Shoot me a DM. Let me know. You know, I'm, I'm more than happy to hop on with people and talk to people who are um, working towards a sports media career. They want advice and, and things of that, things of that nature. I can say it's not easy to get your foot in the door, but I'm perfectly willing to talk to people and everything and, and help you guys out. If you need advice on anything, can't promise obviously any roles with, with Lakers nation or anything like that. Um, but I can certainly be a, a sounding board for people who are looking to get involved in, in sports media and really want to take it seriously. But I can also say, um, and I tell this to everybody that I talk to, you have to, if sports media is what you want to do, you have to know, you have to know that because it's thankless for a while. It's a grind. You guys see how much, how much I'm on here. You guys see how many videos I do, how much analysis I pour into this. This is not a 40 hour a week job by any means. Um, and, and that's okay because I love it. And you know what? When you find something that you love, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't. That's, that's just life in general. When you find something that you truly love, there's a big difference between that and doing a job that you hate and you're doing it just for the paycheck, right? Big difference between those two things. It's a, you can be exhausted from doing something you love and it's a completely different feeling than being doing something that exhausts you that you don't love, okay? But with sports media in particular, you have to make sure that it's something that you really, really, really seriously want to do because you run the risk of, if you're not willing to put in the work, if you're not willing to grind, if you're not willing to really push, you can take something that's a passion of yours and you can turn it into a chore. You can turn it into a chore. You can turn it into something that you don't enjoy anymore. So it's something that you got to be, be careful with and know that it's something that you really want to want to do before you get into it and that you understand what's going to be, what's going to be involved in that. There's a lot more that I have to say about sports media and everything. Maybe at some point I'll do a video all about getting into sports media, kind of how I got into it, what, what process I went through and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm always happy to talk to people about it and, and things like that. Um, if anybody needs advice, again, I, I can't say that there's a bunch of open roles at Lakers Nation or whatever, but I can at least be a sounding board and uh, and help out. I'm always happy to do that. Um, let me see here. I did see one more super chat came, came in. Do you think the Lakers can trade for Danny Green? No, I don't think the 76ers are going to want to want to give him up. Don't think the 76ers are going to want to give him up at this point, um, at least not in a deal for what the Lakers have. All right. Appreciate everybody joining joining us tonight. I'm just checking through some of these chats here, some of these last ones coming in. All right. So, Lakers finish off the road trip on Sunday. Hopefully can get a win against the Atlanta Hawks. Already have one win over them this season. Fingers crossed. Hopefully LeBron and AD are back in action. Curious to see what was said in the post game about that. I'm sure Frank Vogel was probably non-committal, but maybe there's a little bit of positivity in there. I hope so. So we're going to see what they said in the post game. Till then, everybody, we'll uh, we'll be right back here. It is an early game on Sunday against the Hawks. I believe it's at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Whew, that's going to be a rough one. Always weird things in that kind of a game because players are out of rhythm. They're not used to playing that early. So we'll see. But it's a football Sunday as well. So I think that's probably part of why. All right, everybody, I appreciate you guys joining me tonight. Solo show. So always great when we're getting this many people coming in and commenting that I can uh, that I can chat with. So thank you guys for joining me tonight. We'll see you on Sunday right after the game. Stay safe out there. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.